Hi folks, I'm Duncan Gill, child and adolescent psychiatrist. And I'm Victoria Lee, licensed clinical mental health counselor. And welcome to Is There a Med for That? The podcast about teen mental health, behavioral problems, and what to do about them. Victoria and I have been working together for years with kids. Sometimes we use therapy, sometimes medication. Sometimes we just give guidance to parents. And we realize that sometimes kids just need to be left alone. We don't have all the answers, but we've got some of them. We'll do our best to share what we've learned over the years working with struggling kids and their families. We hope you enjoy the show and that we can be helpful to those who have taken on the hardest, most important job in the world, being a parent. Victoria, let's do our second podcast of the day. All right. Do I say hello, Duncan? Hi, Vicki. Hi, Duncan. (laughs) All right, so here we are, second episode of the day. Thought we could talk about natural consequences versus punishment and how as a parent, thinking through the lens of natural consequences versus punishment could be helpful. Right. That's a good topic. Yeah, really important, I think, for us too as providers who work in a group setting with kids kind of like a pseudo family because we really strive here at direction to avoid punishing kids in any way because uh, we think it's counterproductive to their development and um, to the relationship. So maybe first starting out with how do we define punishment and how do we define natural consequences? So I think it's important probably to state too that we're talking about these two things in the parenting context of your child has done something you find undesirable or imbalanced or fill in the blank and how do you choose to respond either with punishment or natural consequence and we would advocate for the natural consequences i remember joe who's one of our who started direction with you for those who don't know he would often ask well what is punishment he would ask me like how how do you define punishment and he ultimately would say that is it, is it not the remove? Like I've deemed that you've harmed me, so I'm going to harm you. I think that's true sometimes. That it's a like an angry reaction to, to a child, for example, screws up and yep. punish you. Punish them. Sometimes I think parents who do it really think that they're doing it in the best interest of their child. Yes, and it's more agreed. planned. Yes, but I think the theory is that it's planned because they believe that you'll learn not to harm others by receiving harm because of your behavior. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah, and you're right. I think it's important to um, really clarify that I don't think most parents, even like the judicial system, maybe I'm being too generous here, but I don't think they're... the intention is to be hurtful or to be evil or, or bad, but it's that they believe that that's how people learn. Right. That if, and it, there is to some degree, you can train people um, just like animals. You know, what is it? Um, Pavlog's dog? Yeah. Classical conditioning. You know, if something, if an undesirable behavior happens, you inflict some sort of pain or harm, they're less likely to do that behavior. And so you can have a very trained human, but often what that is, it's under very specific environment, like in a, in a context or environment. So what's natural consequence versus punishment? The way I see natural consequence is a very, it's related 
to whatever happened. And it's not something arbitrary that the parent or a pseudo parent inflicts upon the child. It's something that naturally occurs because of a behavior the child does. So for example, um, maybe a mild offense by a child or a mild imbalanced behavior from a child, such as name calling, a punishment might be, you know, you need to go sit in your room for five minutes or, um, no TV tonight. Cause you keep, you know, saying your brother's stupid. A natural consequence might be asking the kiddo to take space because it's just not nice to be around him. So it's related because it's in the natural order of things. If you don't like being called stupid, you don't want to be around the person who's doing that. The rest of the that. family says, we just are not interested in being around you right now. So it makes more sense. Yeah. Even more natural would be a kid doing that in the playground and another kid, honestly, popping him. Right. <laughs> right? Yes. That's, that's natural consequence. Yep. Or a sibling even. Or a sibling, right. Um, so, you know, we talked about this, the best way for humans to learn is through trial and error. It's doing something and seeing what happens. Right. This is, you know, you don't need a parent to do this. You know, that's just the way we learn. Right. You touch a hot stove, it burns, you don't do it again. Mm -hmm. So the more lessons you can gain in life through doing and either succeeding or failing in some way, the better. So the degree that you can allow natural consequence to do the teaching uh, is better for your child. Just kids learn better that right. way. And they learn about how the world operates more than just how you maybe personally operate. Right. And sometimes you might be part of the natural consequence, but I think what you're really drawing attention to as well is that oftentimes you won't be. Right. Like whether it's the kids on the playground decide they don't want to hang out with you or they, you know, sock you in the nose or something and and not condoning playground violence, but you know, just like the, the way nature is, there's going to be feedback from the world, whether a de behavior is desirable or not, and not having the parents swoop in either in preventing or pulling a child from a situation. Right, We too. see that as parents protecting their kids from natural consequences. And a more extreme example would be uh, if a kid's violent or stealing or something like that, and somebody wants to press charges or have the kid arrested is jumping in and saying, Oh no, no. Um, and at least from a natural concept, from at least a philosophical point of view, that's a mistake. Right. And I think it's a mistake in a practical point of view, probably in most instances. Mm -hmm. Right. What would you say to a parent who says, okay, I want my child to go to school and they're not going to school. You can ask me the school question. I know. How could you possibly do this in the middle of a podcast? This is, this is the one question we get. That's probably the hard, it's probably one of the hardest questions we have to answer. Yeah. How do I get my kid to go to school? Which I, I think almost every Monday and Wednesday, I get asked it in some form or another. I can't believe you just did this. Sorry. Okay, so it doesn't go to school, right? Okay, so let's take, a, you could do natural consequences, and the ultimate in natural consequences would be, fine, um, somehow you take care of yourself during the day, uh, assuming that a child can be left home alone or your home, and then... Um, See how it goes. And um, in large part, that can work. Yeah. Um, and in some instances, we advocate that. Mm -hmm. um, because what happens is a kid gets behind in school or starts to fail. Or the school starts causing problems, you know, truancy officers and that right. kind of thing. You don't engage in a fight. You don't punish, which has its own problems we'll get to. 
and the kid can learn from natural consequences. I'm giving an experiment and see what happens. And part of the frustrating and scary thing for parents is the feedback isn't immediate. Right. The feedback takes time and it may yeah. take a year for a kid. We see these kids at COVID who just sort of stopped school and you don't see the consequences. A kid may not for a year yep. or weeks or days or two yeah. years. Yep. And that's scary as a parent because you feel like nowadays there's so much pressure not to fall behind, early readiness. You and know, you like, only got 18 years to get your kid to be behave. who you want them to be, right? <laughs> right. To do exactly what you want. Right. Right. And this is, I think, largely too for older teenagers, especially when they start doing the whole I don't want to go to school thing or I'm refusing. First thing is not engaging in a fight with them. We would often say, right, can't tell you how to get your kid to go to school, but I can help you have a better relationship with them. And so, and then that has to play out at home as to how you're going to decide what are the natural consequences of not going to school. I think there is a piece too. One is the natural consequences of school itself, like whether the truancy offers is going to get called in your town or what might be. Um, and then there also might be the natural consequence of if as a parent, I believe one of my primary duties is to make sure in some way you're being educated, then I'm going to ask that in some way you choose whether if you're refusing to go to school, well, you have to choose something what's, to educate yourself. You know, what's with. your suggestion? Bobby? Yeah, exactly. And so that the natural consequence in my family would be that we have to come up with something and until you do, there's, we're really not going to be doing much else because first things first, we have to attend just like I have to work in order to provide for the family. There is a natural consequence of if you don't do your work, we don't do other things. So to some degree, parents may need this. The ultimate natural consequence is that the world ed educates to yes. some degree. Our job as parents is to facilitate that and yep. sort of help natural consequences along. So yeah. you are participating in, as we say, sort of interfering to some degree, but uh, you want to do it as little as possible, right? Yes. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, definitely. Because if we're the primary deliverer of that, the message of the world, especially as our, teen, as our kids turn into teenagers, they don't want to hear it from us. They need to hear it from the world more. And so some kids personalities, temperaments, they might hear it from you from little age on to, you know, adulthood. And if that's you, you're lucky. <laughs> um, other kids are more agreeable when they're younger and then go through the normal combativeness of teenager years. And so you kind of got to see what you're working with as well and respond to your individual child. If they're willing to help you facilitate some of the natural consequences and reflect with them and connect with them on it, then great. But I think often the most powerful experience comes from like directly touching the stove yourself, like you said. Right. And there's this um, misconception. We've talked about this too. We talk about all this stuff because folks, we, we work together for a living. Um, changing improved behavior equals improved psychology. Right. That somehow if you behave better, you've, you've grown and you have to ask the reason a child's behaving better if they've grown up with punishment. And that's because of fear of what the parent's going to do. Right. Right. And how does that translate when you're turn 18 and 19 and, often, and nobody's there to do exactly, that? Exactly. And that's that piece of punishment that it often works in a very specific environment. Right. Right. When you're present, when they're in your home, when someone who ever applies the punishment is there, but then as soon as that's removed, 
the whole, all the rules of the game change. And so that behavior might not be there or worse, there might be psychological effects that linger. And now they have maladaptive skills versus adaptive, healthy skills to deal with life. If you're psychologically, you know, afraid or wounded in big ways from the way you've been parented, yeah, you might function well in a certain way. Like you show up in time on time all the time. Cause you're afraid you're going to get yelled at, but maybe that you're doing that just out of fear and you're anxious the whole way to work and you can't focus on anything. You're not your optimal, most self-actualized self. And at least for me, I want that for my child. I want them to find full maturity and self-actualization, not just, um, baseline functioning. Problem with punishment too, is it works, changes behavior, particularly for younger kids because they're weaker than you (laughs) physically and life experience and emotionally and they grow and they become more powerful and at some point they're more powerful than you yep. when you're old and they put you in the old, old age home um and they might not do it very nicely they may not you do it nice depending how you raise them <laughs> but it works less and less what well, we see that with teens and stuff where it worked when they were young and at some point they say i'm sick of it and you yep. can't push me around yeah um you know and I think oftentimes we have to get to that point sooner with kids than we do in our culture that we have to, because when they're younger, we, there are certain elements of, there's more interference, right? Like the baby's crawling to the end edge of the cliff. deck or the cliff, right? Like you go get them. Not like, oh, that's a good trial and error moment. No, you want to get the baby. But is there like older you let them explore more and take reasonable risk. It's actually really important. I believe for a child to take risks in life, even if you think, Oh, they might fall, especially like, I'm not talking about babies, but like, as they get to be more kids climbing on things that you get a little anxious about, I think all that stuff is really developmentally important because children, we don't want our kids to be risk adverse because life is full of risk taking and you have to have courage. The life life in the world isn't going to get easier. Um, fear is going to come up and it's not about your pain point, but it's about your courage point in life. How much courage do you have? How can you go forth despite how challenging life is? And so I think we really have to allow our children to take risks and not um, interfere excessively. But as a parent, it's really hard because I think our primary instinct is to protect Right. especially in the young years, we got to do that. But then we slowly need to update our files increasingly. And the teenage years, I think, are very challenging in this way because really they're jumping back and forth from adulthood to childhood. And so we may want to interfere and protect more than is really good for them. They need to go out and get the corrective feedback from the world especially in teenage years because they're going to be doing it on their own very shortly. What would you say to the very reasonable question, this whole parenting style has become softer over time. And in the old days, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. And there were plenty of great adults who turned out, why should we, the greatest why generation should we change? Ever yeah. Some, right. Yeah. I think that's a very good question. I, I understand the philosophy behind that. I think one of like my, like immediate understandings is that society has changed. It's not the same world. I mean, our grandparents weren't taught about, you know, if someone does X, Y, and Z to you to, <laughs> you know, call the police on them or, you know, like DCYF wouldn't investigate. Right. Exactly. 
And so I think the world is very different. So our kids are growing up fundamentally different. And so that old school type of parenting, it's almost like kids have, I don't want to say evolved beyond it, but I think our species is becoming different in a, in a way. And it just doesn't work as, as well as, and if, cause if things worked and a child could grow up well-adjusted and, and healthy and optimally developed, you know, I think then you have to have humility and accept that that works, whether you personally like that approach or not. But I don't see that often with that old school mindset anymore. I don't see that necessarily. I think what you have is a lot of more fighting. I think kids are a lot more, and maybe that's because culturally it's more promoted. Um, but I think that, yeah, it doesn't work. You see way more tension. Um, and I think you could also say too, that even if it goes back to that, just because people function well, doesn't mean they're psychologically well. It's, um, I would add that, uh, it's a shortcut punishment because it can change behavior without a lot of time. And there's an advantage to that sometimes. Um, in the older days, there was less time. People worked longer hours on the farm, that kind of thing. And sometimes they didn't have time for, you know, mm-hmm. a more soft approach. So I think we not only do we have the luxury of more time now, um, but I think you're right. I think society, at least a lot of society, has moved towards... Um, sort of softer place with more respect for feelings and that kind of thing. That's not a, a bad thing at all. Right. But yeah, the same techniques may not work as well these days. And I'd also add that, that from my point of view, this is not a moral judgment at all. If punishment worked and raised, and it has, kids who are well-developed and independent and mentally healthy, um, you know, anything that works, mm-hmm. honestly, from, from an objective point of view, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem to work that way. We long. don't often see that as no. what does work. Yeah. It's much more common in other cultures though, yeah. right? So we have a lot of, um, first gen kids come in and their parents treat them much differently Yes, and they're trying to adjust to it because the, you know, all their friends have a much different, um, upbringing in some ways. And oftentimes the um, the first gen, the kids who are being raised here, they feel vastly different about it than their parents did. And the parents don't, can't relate to why, well, I was raised like this. It didn't bother me like this, but that goes back to like, I think the environmental piece of it. I also wonder too, if you have to look at, it isn't just what we're not doing in terms of punishing kids. Like maybe back in the day, there was a lot clearer, Um, if you do this, there's going to be consequences sort of mentality. I think we've created a world that is just softer. Like even like, um, I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but I feel like everywhere you go, like there's always climate controlled environments. Hmm. Our species in general is just becoming softer. Um, I mean, very few kids nowadays are just told to go outside and play. It's more like a created little um, playroom that has every little thing you could ever want and think of. Did I tell you Playdates is my least favorite parenting invention of the past century? Tell us more. Oh, don't get me started. But 
but this is this is the other side of things of the softer world, which has a downside as well. Is kids don't play outside so much. Um, they're not on their own so much. There's a lot more protection. Um, yep. And to me, play dates, it's the term really more than getting kids together. That's wonderful. It was the fact that he had to go to the play dates <laughs> with the kids that really pissed him off. It, it, it did, honestly. <laughs> but um, this whole idea of managing your children's relationships and almost like a matchmaking thing. Yep. It may make sense for a three-year-old. But then to keep talking about it as an eight, nine, 10, mm-hmm. 13, it's yeah, still managing, which I don't like. Which again might be a symptom of our dysfunctional sort of communities. Like we aren't connected maybe as much as we used to be to cousins and extended family where there'd be way more people around to play and socialize mm-hmm. with. You now often have a mom or a dad home alone with their kids for long extended periods and they're maybe aren't a lot of kids available. And then you feel like you have to do something to get your kids socialized. Um, yeah, I think we live in a world that's increasingly hostile to raising healthy offspring. Cause we, I even think there's a, an attitude of a d- contempt towards children nowadays. And from parents from kids to parents too. Yep. Which I think is a little more natural, but I think maybe still to a, a concerning level, there's not a lot of that respect for elders. And I don't mean that in like a overused way. I just mean that, you know, there can be a wiser, older people to look to for help and support. Why are you looking at me? (laughs) That was by accident. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, but I think the softer pieces, I do hear a lot of parents ask about that, you know, or actually maybe they don't directly ask about it, but they express frustration about parenting nowadays being too soft We've moved more towards a cooperative paradigm than a hierarchical paradigm. Well, but there's, I, I don't think you can ultimately, I think it has to be both, but I think it has to be more nuanced and you do have to step in. You have to have your sacred parental authority, authority still, um, but being more selective and when you use that is would be I'm my recommendation. Parent. W- works. You know, it makes sense sometimes, but no, that's exactly what I was going to say is, it's a little bit like politics. You don't have to be all one or the other, but this whole idea that we're being too soft on kids. So let's bring back punishment. Let's bring back all these things, which the ping pong may not be so yeah, helpful, but you can still, you know, if you go too soft, you're enabling kids and um, right. not helping them grow up either. Right. And I think often too, going back to one of our, core principles is we have to role model behavior and maybe as parents we're softer right like meaning not that our parenting styles are softer but that i think there's a lot of people who whine a lot as adults everyone complains about a lot of things you ever watch the nba nba do they do a lot of complaining there oh my goodness okay these grown men fouls right you know i'm talking about ben of course And I think kids are watching that. Yeah. So, you know, if you feel that there's not a lot of fortitude in your child, I would look at your own life first. You know, I think like one, like just very short before we end, you know, I had a parent talking about um, a child waking up late for school often and not getting there. And I eventually learned later that that parent slept in every day and wasn't even really up for when the child was to go to school. 
And that's a big, important piece of the puzzle. Not saying that you should get up and wake your child up if they're a teenager, but to get the house started and have a routine of your own where it's disciplined. And even if you don't got to go to work, but maybe you're getting up to go on a jog or getting up to, you know, meet life and greet life and do what you got to do. Um, and getting up and having a couple beers in front of the TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's important if you're doing that to tell your therapist or your child's <laughs> therapist, cause that's an important piece of the, of the puzzle. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's what consequences punishment is a good, good start. starter. Yeah. There's a lot more to talk about. Absolutely. Maybe to um, a good spot to invite people to call in or email right. in um, about, I don't know if we have the stuff set up yet. Do we? I think we got the stuff set up. Okay. We have the infrastructure. Okay. We'll put the, a little message up with our podcast and where to reach us. But if you have questions about what would that look like in a certain circumstance, please call in or write in and we'd love to We're answer happy your to question. pontificate and give you bad advice. Yeah. Cause sometimes examples can be very helpful yeah. for people. So please write in, call, um, and if Duncan steers you way off course, I'll try to bring us back. <laughs> but both of us usually aren't wrong. Usually one of us is way off and the other. I think we're a good team in that way. We're a good team that way. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. thanks All for right, listening, folks, folks. Have a good afternoon. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Is There a Med for That? For more information about our podcast and our clinical work, visit our website at medforthat.com. If you've got questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover, feel free to email us at contact at medforthat.com. We'd love to answer some of your questions on air. Have a great day.